Hello. Thanks for listening to our final episode of Season 1 of The Membership. This is Tim, and I'd like to personally, as the editor, apologize for its tardiness. We recorded this conversation about a month ago. Uh, We had a great time reflecting on the end of the season and where this podcast is going to go in the future, so please enjoy this episode. Hello friends, welcome to The Membership. This is a podcast about the works and life of Wendell Berry, the farmer, poet, novelist, essayist, activist, and thinker. My name is John Pattison, and I am joined, as always, by my two fellow members. This is Tim Wassum. This is Jason Hardy. Hey, good evening, guys. How are you doing? Doing well, John. Doing well. Summer is beginning here. Summer break has begun for me, and uh, I guess you're... Travel in the world right now. <laughs> yep. <Yeah>. I'm <laughs> in the, gosh, I'm one-third of the way through a two-week trip to do research on my next book. I flew into Indianapolis, and um, so far I've been in Indiana, Ohio, and Michigan, and tomorrow I head into Canada. So I'll be gone um, 14 days total and hit, I think, 13 cities in that time. In seven states and two U.S. province or two Canada, Canadian provinces, so it's a it's a whirlwind trip, but um, yeah, it feels um, you know I miss the family, but if, I also like being on the road. It's fun. Yeah, has it been a good trip, like uh, product like productivity wise? I mean, or do you, do you feel like it's been a fruitful trip? Yeah, you know, I I'm walking neighborhoods with um, community practitioners and also spending a lot of time with pastors, um, in particular pastors whose churches are really working with neighbors to to weave a fabric of care in their neighborhoods. And uh, on theme for this podcast, um, inevitably it seems like Wendell Berry comes up in our conversations, and um, all but one of the uh, pastors that I've talked to have known and loved Wendell, Wendell Berry's work, and the the other one, the uh, pastor in Ecorse, Michigan, uh, this morning, uh, he had never heard of Berry, but I had an opportunity to quote a couple of different poems <laughs> to him, <laughs> and uh, yeah. he and he loved it. So I think uh, I think he might go out and get some books and become a, a Berry fan himself. Was how to how to be a poem one of them? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, good. Yeah, yeah the the line about <laughs> staying on brand. Yeah, yeah, the line about <laughs> sacred spaces and non-sacred spaces. Yeah, it's, it gets yeah. to a point where it's hard to not bring that up. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah. on a regular basis. So, well, and then there's That's another line, and and I don't know if I'm getting it exactly right, but I I believe in one of his Sabbath poems, Barry says, "Hope then to belong to your place for what no other place is," something like that, and that's. Mm-hmm relevant to these folks who are um, often living in and doing I, yeah, doing ministry, being the church in places that have had a lot of struggles um, mm-hmm. a, lot of, mm-hmm. a lot of poor neighborhoods um, so, but, but they are loving their place as well it's been, it's been cool to see 
Nice. That sounds like a really good trip. I can't wait to. Well, of course, I can't wait to read the book, but I, I can't wait to hear about the rest of it because you've you've given us a few behind the scenes uh, views into some of the conversations you've had before we started recording, and I, I'm excited for other people to hear about those as well. Yeah. Um, one of the one of the consequences of being on this trip and recording is that I'm recording inside uh, the hotel room of a Red Roof Inn in Detroit. Um, That's so glamorous, man. Yes. <laughs> recording a podcast from a hotel room. like Living yeah. the life. Yeah. <laughs> Living yeah. the dream. <laughs> Until the bed bugs to shush for a while. Like, uh, <laughs> oh, man. Nice. Yeah. Well, um, that's awesome. So, Jason, are you traveling anywhere this summer? Um, I am uh, going on back and forth to Nashville a good Nashville. bit this summer, just just for work. So, mm. yeah, uh, have been to the beach. Went to the beach in Alabama, which was nice. So. That's good. Beach in Alabama. What about you? I'm going to uh, going to go to Atlanta, catch a baseball game, go to the uh, aquarium, and then I think we're going to be going to, or I'm going to be going to New Orleans in hello uh, July. For the XQ Foundation Symposium, which is the Steve Jobs Education Foundation that our school received a, a large grant from. And so they do the symposium every year where 10 people from every school converge on a city somewhere and meet each other, spend time with each other, share ideas. And they usually bring in some pretty big speakers and like even like musical acts and things like that. That's to, cool. Uh, and just so I'll get to spend about four days in New Orleans and I've, I've never been there before. So. I'm really excited about that, and then we might spend some time at St. Simon's Island uh, at the end of the at the end of July. But I'm just yeah, I'm so excited to be on summer break and have some time to <laughs> have some time to get some reading done. One of those amazing ironies of being an English teacher. It's like finally <laughs> I can have some time to read. Yeah, uh, but yeah, you're, you're reading the same stuff over and over again. So the stack grows and grows and grows over the course of the school year, and then it shrinks at a much slower pace over the course of the summer. So. I can't, re- I can't remember. Do you assign any of Barry's work to your classes? We read freshman year. I used to, when I, when I was teaching freshmen, we would read Piece of Wild Things in there. And with this new class that I taught this year, it's I didn't assign any uh, this first round because it was that integrated history and English class. And so the amount of reading where we, we do was kind of reduced because they're finding a lot of their own stuff that they're reading uh, related to the projects that we're working on. But I'm I'm working I'm kicking around some ideas for what I can incorporate uh, incorporate next year, probably in the the realm of essays, hmm. some like adapted version of the uh, Think Little essay. Was that the t- title of it? I think so. Yeah, think the, one, one the one called that. Yeah. that we that we talked about at the conference. So that one or uh, the Unsettling of America. Maybe working working some of that in there hmm. next year. Yeah. Cool. Well, should we should we get into the farm fresh points? Yeah, this is something we've done. I think once before, maybe twice before. Um, just a chance to kind of share some of the the berry related or berry adjacent things we've been we've discovered since our our last recording. So, Jason, you wanna you wanna get us started with those? Yeah, um, I've got a couple. Um, one is just a plug for a friend's book that uh, has recently come out, and I think especially our uh, our uh, listeners who come to us through the rabbit room might might be interested in this. It's called Pursuing an Earthly Spirituality, C.S. Lewis and Incarnational Faith. The author's name is Gary S. Selby. 
um, who is a, a friend of a friend of ours. Um, go to uh, go to church with him, and I, I haven't read the book because it just came out. Just got a copy of it, but um, but I know sort of the content of it is really sort of um, relevant to uh, Wendell Berry's work for sure. Sort of looking at C.S. Lewis's treatment of creation and how creation can point us toward God. Uh, so I would I would definitely recommend this, and, and I think this is this came out through looks like InterVarsity Press, um, mm. their academic wing. Um, so again, that's pursuing an earthly spirituality, and the, the author is Gary Selby. We'll S- put a link in the yeah. We'll put a link in the show notes too, yeah. for folks. Yeah, definitely. Um, and then the other one is I, I've been teaching a uh, an online class. Um, uh, that that is a survey of sort of the latter half of, of American literature. And uh, we started out that class by reading Walt Whitman's Song of Myself. And I, I really hadn't thought about a connection between Walt Whitman and Barry before. Uh, but I think there, I think there's a lot of uh, a lot of commonalities between the two, especially in the way that Whitman treats death in Song of Myself. I want to read uh, just a little bit from the it's the final sort of section. He has numbered sections um, in the poem. It's the 52nd section. He's he's sort of thinking about his death. He says, I depart as air. I shake my white locks at the runaway sun. I effuse my flesh in eddies and drift it in lacy jags. I bequeath myself to the dirt to grow from the grass I love. If you want me again, look for me under your boot soles. You will hardly know who I am or what I mean, but I shall be good health to you nevertheless, and filter and fiber your blood. I, I just think that that's <laughs> that, that idea of uh, sort of death as a part of a cycle that ends up in rebirth and, and rejuvenation in nature uh, is definitely a theme that, that Barry picks up on and talks about in, in sort of all three genres uh, of his work from time to time. I think Song of Myself is my favorite thing that I teach now with yeah. juniors. I love it. And the kids get into it, I think, mostly just because I just get kind of revved up and I just keep talking and keep, like, yeah. giving, you know, asking them, just keep asking him questions, asking him, like, look at the line again, look at the line again. And, and like, that one mm-hmm. that you read it the first time and just blows past him. And after they just kind of sit with it for a while. And I, I don't think that I made the connection, or I don't think I thought about Wendell Berry at the time because I was just having, since it's so new for me teaching, it was such a legitimate of, uh, Re-epiphany? I don't know. Like, <laughs> epiphany that's, again? Can you epiphany again? Um, sure. I don't know if that's possible. <laughs> sure. But um, I double epiphany <laughs> um, you know, for the second time because I, I love love uh, love Whitman. I love that poem, but re- revisiting it. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because I, I had missed that connection. Yeah. Just, that makes me want to go and read the whole thing again. Yeah. And I just have to share my favorite line from Song of Myself. Uh, A Kelson of the creation is love. Uh, a Kelson is the sort of the the beam in a wooden ship that connects uh, the hull to the keel at the bottom of the ship. Uh, so, the idea of love being this uh, this this sort of guiding beam, this foundational beam um, in creation, is just just beautiful to me. Whole thing would tip over sideways without that beam. Yes, exactly, yeah. exactly. That so. is beautiful. Yeah. Anyways, what about you, Tim? 
Well, I, I stumbled across, just like your point with uh, Gary Selby's book, I also have a book to bring up that I haven't read yet <laughs> because it came out like three days ago. I just stumbled across it. Um, I, I found it through Instagram on the Typewriter Revolution Instagram account, but it was unusual because they, it's the collection that, that they're releasing, or I, I guess it's in conjunction with Typewriter Revolution, but it's called Escapements, Typewritten Tales from Post-Digital Worlds. And the book itself, I didn't, a lot of the other names on the, the front of it, I didn't recognize a lot of these. Uh, they didn't, didn't ring a bell, no pun intended. You know, it, didn't, <laughs> it didn't ring a bell for me when I, when I first saw it. But the first name on the list for this, what I assume is a self-published thing, was Wendell Berry. Uh, and so I tried to do a little digging. Uh, uh, I tried to do a little digging just to figure out who else... Uh, or what poem might be in there, or what piece might be in there, and I couldn't figure it out. But I did see someone who I guess knows the person who put this together, and did mention that it was a poem. And so I, he he had uh, allowed them to put a typewritten copy of one of his poems into this this collection. And I have some guesses uh, as to what it might be. And the one that came to mind was from. A timbered choir that was actually featured in Look and See. Uh, it was the one that starts with, even while I dreamed, I prayed that I that what I saw was only fear and no foretelling. For I saw the last known landscape destroyed for the sake of the objective. The soil bludgeoned, the rock blasted. Those who had wanted to go home would never get there now. Like um, I don't know what that just made me think of thinking about the title, uh, a post a post digital worlds of worlds in the future where. The digital realm has kind of crumbled, and so it made me think of that. And who knows what it'll end up being? But I definitely look forward to getting the collection and just flipping around. Um, and when when somebody like Wendell Berry agrees to be a part of this, that that gains that gives a whole lot of credibility to the rest of the collection. It makes me want to see what else shows up mm -hmm. in there. And I'm hoping it would be really cool if it's a combination of not just poems, but poems and stories and essays and everything. So I'm definitely gonna check that out uh, soon yeah it just came out i think it was may 31st or something like that it was released so haven't gotten my hands on it yet Corey Beatty also shared that uh, wendelberry will be reading his tall proudfoot story turn back the bed at drennan christian church on october 12th uh, and this is in uh is drennan springs the name of the town or is it yes. yeah yes so in drennan springs so uh this is way off in october 12th but this is this church, Drennan Christian Church, is the church that Goforth, uh, the fictional church in Port William, was uh, was based on, which makes it even more exciting. So to have kind of it's like fiction meeting reality sort of thing. <laughs> uh, yeah, so that's uh, Crescent Hill Baptist Church on June 26th, and then at Drennan Christian Church on October 12th, several months later. But if you're in the area, I mean. This is you don't want to miss a chance to to see him in person. So, yeah. How about you, John? Yeah. Uh, I have really only have one. Um, pretty quick. That is just that there are a couple of new, uh, a couple new Barry books available. Um, both reissues of sorts. One is a reissue of the Wild Birds, six stories of the Port William membership, and then the Library of America volumes that. Tim just mentioned two volume essay collection what I stand on 
These are the collected essays from 1969 through 2017. Um, we'll include links to to uh, both of those books. Both of those books are available from the bookstore at the Berry Center. Uh, we're, we're, I don't know if folks have noticed, but we're starting to put a link to the Berry Center bookstore in our um, uh, in our show notes as well. So you can get books directly from there. Sometimes they're signed too, uh, which is cool. And that's really, that's really all I had for Farm Fresh Points. So this is, so our intention for this episode was that it would kind of wrap up season one. And so we asked some folks to submit questions and we'll get to those, uh, get, get to a few of those here in a, in a couple minutes. But I also thought it would be good if we can just, um, just the three of us just sort of reflect on season one um, and uh, just maybe what stood out for us about the experience and um, yeah, maybe what, what we're looking forward to going forward. Uh, Jason, do you want to you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, sure. Um, I mean, I think I, I I just loved the the chance to dig back into uh, to Barry's writing and um, to be sort of moving through it in a in a methodical way. Um, so many things stood out to me, but um, one of them was uh, you know just just how much I love the tall Proudfoot stories. Um, yeah, especially because, and, and I think I've sh- I shared this in the past, is that um, you know I I love Barry's fiction. Barry's fiction was the first thing that of his that I read, and it and it drew me to him. And um, I, I I do have a deep and abiding love for it. But uh, there are times in his fiction where uh, I feel like he gets a bit preachy, and I feel like I'm reading an essay instead of a. <laughs> instead of a story uh but i i do not feel that way at all in the tall proudfoot stories i feel like in those stories barry is um is having a lot of fun in some cases and and then in some cases like in uh in watch with me uh you know he's dealing with sort of heavier heavier topics but um but even then i i don't have that same he's not uh he's not harping on the the same you know uh the same points that that he does in in his essays right um so that that has been a just a a great reminder and and revelation in a way i think to me um just how how great those stories are um but you know i also loved watching sort of wendell berry develop as a poet over the first few uh first few collections um watching him sort of come into his own as he sort of turned his focus to his place um and even talks about that in the long-legged house as um you know sort of finding himself as a writer and choosing his place as a as a subject so so that was great to see as well yeah he kind of i would totally piggyback on both of those those are both good points because uh on the the one you're just talking about the poetry side it, that was super fascinating to me because i had never ever read his poetry in this order and so it really lends to some really interesting observations and that was the big one for me as well is that those first poems um we talked about the place where he was and that he was in the city and you know and he was in his he was sort of out of his element when he was writing some of those first ones and you feel like the anxiety and you feel the kind of rigidness of like not sure if I if I'm supposed to sound like these other people that I look up to or if I'm supposed to sound like people that are around me here and whatever and then it's sort of he backs up and kind of takes a deep breath and then <laughs> something that seems a little more natural starts coming out and like the Wendelberry we know which we talked about several times and that was that was fascinating and then with what what I was gonna say about the tall Proudfoot stories for me 
is that as much of his fiction that I had read, I feel like I missed a lot of mm-hmm. of those. Like in some of the like the ones we had read, I might have read very early on and had just kind of lost track of them. And so even the character of Tall Proudfoot, I mean, I knew who he was, but I had just kind of lost my familiar familiarity with him. And so it was that was really really wonderful. And I just want to read ahead and read the rest of them, which I will. Yeah. <laughs> oh, we will. Oh, we will. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I, and I, yeah, I don't know, John, do you have any, did you want to say anything about those two points? Like about Tall Proudfoot or about the poetry? No, nothing beyond, nothing beyond just that I agree, especially, especially the point about the poetry. Mm-hmm. I feel like um, we, we see in, in real time reading his poems in order, like we see him really finding or um, uh, finding his voice or I don't know, not, uh, accepting is the wrong word, but um, yeah, just kind of claiming his a voice that, that fits who he is and where he is. I, yeah, it was, it was pretty cool settling because I had, I had skipped around so much with, yeah, settling. And that's a good, um, good way of describing it because I had read his poetry out of order before um, just what, you know, on a whim, whatever I was feeling like I'd, the chance to read it in 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 that order revealed it in a way that that I hadn't bef- noticed before. Yeah, something that w- was interesting that happened to me, and I don't have the book in front of me, or like I don't remember which poem I was looking at. But in the midst of recording that first season, I had picked up Findings, like one of his more uh, that's the name of the like the very recent one, right, from like five years ago or something. Was that Findings? Or was fine. Uh, you got the. Uh, broken ground. No, findings was nineteen sixty. That was so. What's the one that came out? Had a green cover. Um, it's probably in there at the yeah, end. Of I'm it. sure it is. This is great podcasting. Sorry, this is wonderful. <laughs> this will be edited. Out. <laughs> flip <laughs> through, <laughs> flip <laughs> through the table. No, of we should actually we'll fix it in post. <laughs> Find uh, it. Leavings. <laughs> leavings. That's the yeah, one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then jumping ahead and like just pulling it off the shelf casually and flipping through leavings. Um, after sort of living in those early poems and then to see like 40 years into the future like it's like jumping into a time machine you know because yeah, yeah. you've spent so much time with these mm-hmm. old ones and then jump ahead and i think it was the one i think the one i'm i had read was the one about the it was like the debate poem it was the debate between the creationist and the or the scientist and the Oh yeah. yeah, was it about the Big Bang? The Big like, Bang, what, yeah, the one about the Big banged? Bang. Yeah. yeah, yeah, what banged? Yeah, <laughs> that was so, like jumping way ahead of that was just like really, yeah. really fun to me. But I think uh, when I think when I reflect on on season one, um, first thing that comes to mind for me is just how great it's been to be in conversation about about Barry's works. Um, there are definitely more people who are discovering his work all the time and i definitely have friends who who love barry's work as well but no one who has been (laughs) who has you know has been interested in uh up to this point in in really going through them in a systematic way and so (laughs) to to just be able to talk about what we're reading with the two of you. And I know that I th- I'm pretty sure that every one of us has brought this up at some point, but it's in, there have been a number of instances in which the conversation has revealed something that, that I hadn't thought of, of course, like uh, in my own reading. Um, so that's been really cool. 
Um, and then so connecting with the two of you in conversation, connecting with others and who are who are reading along with us just in, and listening to the podcast has been has been really, really great. And then just being able to chat with some of our guests who are responding to Barry's work uh, in their own lives and in very, very different ways. Uh, so that's the conversation has been has been my favorite part. That's great. Yeah, I think that conversation for me has what I, I don't think I would have said it this way before we started, but now that we're done with the first season, I would say that uh, this project has been really fruitful for me because it made me read things of his that I probably never would have gotten to. Yeah. yeah. You know, like mm-hmm. things that I would have been like uh, set aside for wh- whether it was chronological reasons or if it was, you know, with me, frankly, with the essays, I'm much more essay shy. Like I don't, I don't die. I don't go back to those very often or, and I've, I've read more <clears throat> than I, I would definitely would have in a, in the course of a year, just cause I, if I have time to read it, I would t- typically go to his fiction. So I appreciate the fact that doing this is giving me, and yeah, like, like I said, I never would have said that before, but now I'm going to say that this podcast and doing this, I'm very thankful because it uh, it forces me to read things that I I might have skipped or I might have skirted around or put off for later kind of thing. Because that makes I think like you were saying you the conversation brings out things that you didn't get on your first reading. Um, and I think also reading it in a mindset of like this isn't like the easiest thing for me to read right now, <laughs> or it's not mm-hmm. like the the popcorn fiction I'm wanting to <laughs> consume or whatever it is that also brings out interesting things. Like when you read it from a, from a standpoint of um, like not knowing what to expect because you're, you're forcing yourself in. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And, and I also like, I, I am uh, thrilled and surprised by how many listeners have written to us and uh, said that they are reading along with us. Uh, you know, I sort of figured that, you know, a few people may do that, but, uh, you know, most people would just sort of dip in and out when they saw something they recognized, and we welcome those listeners, too, <laughs> for sure. But, mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm so excited that there are uh, sort of a, a group of listeners who are reading with us and, and sort of engaging um, as, we, as we go along. Uh, I think I've been... Uh, even more surprised that there are people reading along with us. I've been uh, I've been more surprised that there are people who are listening along but are not reading along with us. They just like I, I guess <laughs> hearing us talk about <laughs> hearing us talk Bunch about of bums. it. Uh, so we. <laughs> this is like Cliff Notes. Wait, way to take the easy way out. Yeah, they're probably all writing high school essays. You know, or, no, I didn't uh, mean that at all. And so We're we glad changed. you're here for the this record. <laughs> We're glad you're listening. <laughs> no. <laughs> so we've done, uh, from the beginning of season one to the end, we, we, we made a few adaptations, and one was to read longer excerpts of the poems we're talking about and also to give more detailed um, synopsis for the, a story that we're reading. Um, so hopefully, I don't know, we're not... Yeah, hopefully that's not too much for the people who are reading along, but I, I think I think that's been a good a good change we've made. Yeah, that's great. We've actually also I don't know if I forwarded these to you, but I think twice we've received emails through our through our website that um, from people who were writing thought they were writing to Wendell Berry. Oh, oh no, and. Oh. 
Yeah, so like the most recent one was just from a couple days ago asking about speaking fees. Uh, and so Did I, you give him your fees? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah, Barry, I'm sure Barry charges a lot more than I do. Um, and rightly so. Uh, no, so I I usually just say, hey, he, he's not on this podcast. <laughs> not yet, at least. Yeah. We'll see. Maybe, maybe someday. Yeah. That's great. Well, you know, one other thing we wanted to bring up. Uh, and as far as going forward, uh, and this was there was a, there's not a direct question for anybody to connect to this point, but we've been talking for several months about the creation of a Patreon uh, campaign that we were wanting to to establish, and that is something that people should look would uh, we'd really appreciate if you look out, look out for over the summer, and we'll share it over social media. But that that's something we've been wanting to do that'll give us freedom to do things like upgrade tech that we're using but also use it if we're able to bring in a little bit of money to help with hosting fees for the podcast and then also what I and this is we haven't talked about this before but one thing for me is to have potentially funds that we can use to uh, bring in people to talk to right like a whether having guests hosting people to be on the podcast um, or even traveling places where we can take the podcast to conferences and things like that so that is something that we're working on i don't know if you guys want to say anything else yeah you know i mean other other potential uses those are all great are you know um maybe figuring out a way to uh get some help with editing mm-hmm. uh editing the podcast mm-hmm. uh you know uh, we we try to get these episodes out in a in a regular fashion um sometimes we succeed more than more than others yeah. uh and and a lot of that is because we're all novices when it comes to uh to editing uh audio so um that does that does take us a good bit of time and um you know, and it would probably even be a, a better end result if, if we had someone who had a little bit more experience <laughs> yeah. helping us. And also, yeah, 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 that's that's true. Yeah. And then, like in episode one, I go back to this and think about it now and then. But when we, I love that we made the point in episode one that we didn't. We think it would be against the spirit of of Wendell Berry if the production of this thing became more important than other things sure. that we have going on in yeah. our life. And so, yeah. we we are lax a little bit with our with our releases, yeah, and absolutely. we also. We want to be able to tell the other person who's trying to get the editing done and is super stressed out to just be like, "Hey, man, just take a few more days. It's Absolutely. going to be fine." Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So, but if we had somebody else doing it, it would be it would be easier for us to keep things, yeah. Yeah. Uh, keep things more regular. So, uh, if yeah, it's a it's a I think it's a balance because we don't want to yeah we don't we want don't want to overemphasize the production side or the the um, but we also know that potentially there have been times when the sound quality or even how long it's taken for usually me to get an episode out it's that I'm editing uh, it, <laughs> it's just like it's, uh, that it that it that it could be distracting from the content and so we yeah so if you if you want us to put out episodes more regularly and better quality look <laughs> <laughs> That sounded like an ultimatum, John. This is, uh, <laughs> I know. This is not a blackmail. <laughs> We're just going to keep causing static. We're holding your podcast ransom. 
we're gonna keep things you know stereo in your headphones or whatever like yeah. split like, right. until you right. support us on patreon patreon I, supporters get an actual edited version of the podcast right <laughs> <laughs> i will say that if we were going to hold a podcast ransom it would we would hold it for ransom in the hotel yeah. i'm in right yeah, right now yeah sure. there's like wine color whenever i'm in a hotel here. like this like yeah i Whenever I'm in a hotel like this, I I, I think of like No Country for oh, Old yeah, Men yeah, or something yeah, like that. Totally. Oh man. Well, okay. You... Anything else? Any other sort of reflections before we move on to some of the questions that we received? And nothing but just a sappy. I really appreciate you guys, and thanks for doing this. Likewise. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because it's yeah, it's been yeah, it's just it's been that this this has been really special already, and to th- and it's really makes me fills me with joy to think that there's a lot more to come in doing this and also just that hopefully you know more people will listen and we'll have that connection with more more and more people and i mean i it is so true what you said about people listening who aren't even reading my parents are some of those people and they're loving it like they're like they'll <laughs> message me and be like we really enjoyed this this episode you guys um and that's it's really nice and in bumping into people i there are a handful of my friends who've gotten into black wings and stuff since I started doing the other podcast. <laughs> but I would say the number of them that are like checking in on this is just kind of fascinating. Like just in my hometown, like just people I come across are like, Hey, how's that going? What's going on with that? I listened to the last one. I need to catch up on this one. Um, it's really, it's really nice to, to hear. And I can't wait till we have a, a you know, sort of a growing body of people so that they can become, we, we've talked about several ways that people from outside of this little triangle here uh can become part of the conversation and so i look forward to finding as many ways as possible to do that yeah man maybe that's worth a mention even before we go on it's it's kind of a good segue because it wasn't a submitted question but it was actually i think um well maybe it came out maybe it came in through our our site or maybe it was an itunes review but some we have heard from from somebody who just really encouraged us to find female voices, more yeah, female voices. Yeah. Um, and that is a priority for us. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So should we get to some of the questions that came in? Let's go for it. All right. So the first one was from Ben Thompson. It's an easy one. Um, I didn't even tell you guys I was going to put this in. He says that he loves a podcast, and he wants to know what is the intro and outro music. <laughs> guys, you want to take that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That is us. <laughs> yeah, that's Jason and I. Uh, we recorded that in the room next door to where we are right now. Um, took way too many takes. Yeah, a lot of takes. <laughs> Turns uh, out yeah. that podcast mics are not the best yeah, mics yeah. for recording uh, for recording music. But yeah. that was we, we had all these like charming ideas of like, oh, but it'll just be like kind of a, like a field recording. You know, yeah, like, yeah, just yeah. Be, we'll just put a mic down and we'll record. And they're like, wow, that sounds like crap. Let's, yeah. try, let's try that again. So, but yeah, that was just a little little ditty we made up ourselves. And you say we? It, it was you, Tim. Mm. You, you should take a little more credit. <laughs> that that's Tim. That's Tim on the melody, uh, melody guitar. I'm just sort of chunking away on chords, trying to keep up. So, but I still, I, I I'm glad they like it because I really like it too. Yeah. Like I, I it brings it makes me happy when I hear that sound because it makes me think of this podcast and I think it and I. I he did you know, an email exchange because he did email us about this and we had responded and he had said that it it really felt it it captured the feel of the podcast and I really appreciate that feedback. Yeah. 
that's what we were going for. We tried a lot. I remember even like that day we were recording where I was saying things like, couldn't we just like take the chords to some Bob Dylan songs and play them and like do that? And you're like, yeah, but no, no, that would not be good. And I was like, what about this? Yeah. So yeah, yeah, that's uh, a couple days ago. I was, I was talking with another podcast host. His name was Mike Klein. Um, and he hosts a podcast called the back to the roots podcast. And uh, it's, it's around. Uh, well, he's actually interviewed Barry a couple yeah, times. Yeah, I've heard um, those. Yeah, and uh, uh, but I I met on my way to 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 see him and his father David Klein. I was listening to uh, his podcast, and for the first time, I noticed how similar the opening for oh, that no. podcast <laughs> is to, to our. But I've never heard it, so uh, <laughs> well, to, 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 I know to to my non to my non musician's ear, it's it sounds very similar. That's similar in tone. Okay, okay. But I told him like we had we had not heard your podcast before we did that. <laughs> oh, oh man! That's funny. All right. So the next question uh, comes from the pastor that you mentioned earlier, Tim Corey Beatty. He says the big question I have for each of you is what of your what is your favorite work of Barry's fiction, and who is your favorite Port William character? He says, I go back and forth on favorite work of fiction, usually settling on Jaber Crow. For a character, I'm a burly culture man. <laughs> it was great. What about, what, what do you guys think? What's your favorite work of, of fiction? I have to go with him. I mean, I Jaber Crow is my favorite piece of fiction. The close second is A Place on Earth for me. Um, those are two mm. that I've talked about them before, but those those two still are really special to me. And I I almost hope that in doing this podcast that my mind will be changed on that, and that I'll find more things. That'll the, mm. the, that decision will get harder and harder. Um, and then as far as favorite character, I'm gonna have to go with Hannah Coulter mm. uh, for a favorite mm. character. Um, the the bond you get with her in in Hannah Coulter the novel uh, is really special. And in, in seeing the passage of time, and uh, she's she's probably my at least right now, she's up there at the top of my list. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What about you, Well, Jason? I think for me, just for nostalgia's sake, um, I, I think Pray Without Ceasing is probably still still my favorite uh, work of fiction. Um, you know, I, I even reading it now for, I don't know how many times I've read it before, but uh, having read it several times before reading it again for the episode we did on it, I found myself tearing up. Um, I just think it's a beautiful story. Although I had never read Watch With Me, and that that is a, a close second. And um, I don't know, right, right now I, I feel like Tall Proudfoot is... is quickly becoming one of my favorite uh Wendell Bear characters. Mm-hmm. I mean he's he's hilarious but but he's also uh he's also a um, an embodiment of goodness in a way that that I that I find compelling. So oh, well put. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Yeah, I um I second your favorite character, Jason. I, I really like Tall Proudfoot a lot. Um but man, with the way you were talking about Hannah Coulter, Tim makes me remember how much I love that book. In fact, while Jaber Crow is my favorite work of fiction, um, it's usually not the the novel that I recommend starting with. I usually recommend people start with Hannah Coulter if they're looking for for a novel. But what about you guys? If if someone comes to you and says, "I I, I want to start. I've never read any of Wendell Berry's fiction before." 
would you have them start with short story, a particular short story, or a novel? And if so, which one? Yeah, we've kind of talked about this. Oh, wait, wait, we. Yeah, you're right. Like yeah. we've talked about this. It's kind of depends yeah, on the basically. person, right? Yeah, depends on the person. Probably mm-hmm. depends on. For me, probably depends on the day. Yeah. <laughs> what kind of mood? Yeah. I mean, I I just really still and and we haven't really gotten into the novel, so maybe uh, over the course of the podcast, my my opinion will change. But I just I lean towards short stories um, pretty heavily with with Barry, even though I even though I love novels like Hanacolter and and Jaber Crow, I I just love the tightness of his of his short stories. Yeah, yeah, yeah he's definitely got a spectrum in All there. Right. So it's there's some people I don't want to drop Jaber Crow on. Yeah, as a starting point, a 400 mm-hmm. page, 450 page novel or whatever that it is. doesn't have like a plot, <laughs> yeah, like yeah, at all. <laughs> uh, I mean, it, yeah. it it does, it, but 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 not in the way you you know expect. Definitely, yeah, it's just a life story, but just a life story. Just a life story. Just, it's <laughs> just a life story. Don't worry about it. Yeah, you'll get to that eventually. Um, yeah, it's it's hard to disagree with Burley Coulter at the same time. So. Yeah, his, we the, we yeah. we all have a deep and abiding love for for Burley. Um, we'll just leave it there. Yeah. All right. So the next couple of questions uh, come from uh, Jason Fowler, and Jason is a friend of mine. Uh, he um, makes beautiful websites at Wisely Woven. Uh, I think dot com. <laughs> so there's a nice little plug for. Jason. We'll get it right at the show notes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so he says, I would love to hear more about what writers and thinkers Wendell Berry has been influenced by. His work is part of a continuum of agrarian and new agrarian thought, but how well do we know that context? I have a hunch he's drawing from a deeper well and that it's not one he dug. And how does he diverge from these influences and even contemporaries? Yes, so, uh, so well put. Yeah, well, I love that. I have a hunch he's drawing from a deeper well, and it's not one he dug. <laughs> I, I think that. he would agree with that I mean, one. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. yeah, I think that. So this brings up a point of something that I don't remember if I had mentioned it to you all, but an idea I had for future seasons is that we'd have two episodes, um, basically, that are two episodes that are set aside, one for an influence of Wendell Berry, something that influenced Wendell Berry, and then one that's someone who's influenced by Wendell Berry, like writers specifically. Or maybe it would just be one episode and we could do both of those in one episode. Like we could do an episode where we talk about Wallace Stegner as an influence on Wendell Berry, and then for somebody who's influenced by Wendell Berry, you know, we could... I mean... No names are coming to my brain right now, but there are lots of them yeah. <laughs> that we've talked about before. Yeah. Um, like uh, Ron Rash, who I've talked about before, who's a, a writer in this area, who's said like, you know, outright that he's he's influenced heavily by Wendell Berry. So I just think that would be an interesting idea because yeah, I'd would. love to dig into that as well. Yeah. That's something that's fascinating. We could do an episode on Homer. You know, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think it's uh, you know in answer to this question i mean i think barry is in in this sort of comes out in his his essays especially that are you know um more toward the literary bent it's clear that he is extremely well read um in what we might call the canon of of western literature and then you know even beyond that um 
as I know, like the canon is sort of a controversial thing. But, um, you know, I mean, you find him in his essays drawing from Shakespeare, uh, drawing from um, uh, Pope, drawing from uh, even modernist writers, um, you know, Ezra Pound and, and people like that. So he's, he's very well, well read. Um, in terms of his thinking uh, in, you know, agrarian uh, settings. There's all, uh, obviously the, the the collection of essays by the Nashville agrarians um, that, if if mm-hmm. I'm remembering correctly, I believe that came out in 1920, but uh, I'm not 100% sure on that publication date. But uh, it's called "I'll I'll Take My Stand," and and I I sort of hesitate to mention that because um, these are a a collection of writers who are. Uh, who are doing a lot of things that that Barry will pick up on. Um, they are they are criticizing capitalism not from a Marxist perspective, but from an agrarian perspective, and I think that's an important distinction. Um, but the the problem with them is that lots of them are even in the essays in that collection. Um, pretty racist uh so uh so so i i have some some trepidation around that um and uh you know the the other point about them was that they sort of had i think you can rightly criticize them for having a nostalgic view of the south uh as sort of an aristocratic um sort of old world europe um imported to uh to the new world um and that 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 is what makes the south as a region distinct from the northeast that is this crass materialistic um you know uh capitalistic economy and you know that they even make the argument that this is why the civil war happened and you know things like that i I don't think you find buried trafficking in in those kinds of ideas he's he's not really interested in thinking of himself as a southerner he is interested in thinking of himself as a person from henry county kentucky and i think that that's a that's a really important distinction he's not a regionalist he's a localist um which, which i think is important um so, uh, so, but, but at the same time, um, I, I think he definitely does acknowledge at least some influence from, uh, from those folks. Um, one other writer that I'll bring up that I think is, uh, really interesting and one that I hope that we can do an episode on is, uh, the author James Still. Uh, he's, he's known as the godfather of, uh, Appalachian literature and, um, uh, Barry has uh, he he ended up living in Kentucky I think later in his life and Barry has uh, I think he has written an essay about him um, definitely acknowledged uh, his influence on his writing and um, he has a beautiful novel called uh, River of Earth that I would definitely recommend to our uh, to our listeners it's it's a novel about um, told from the perspective of like a seven year old boy um, whose family is sort of in the transition from a traditional traditional agricultural uh, background to the coal mines in Kentucky. Um, so it's, it's tragic, but it's also hilariously funny. There's a character in that book that I think, uh, for my money, is an archetype of, uh, or, or a prototype of Burley Coulter. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, so I think that's definitely worth reading and um, still was definitely a big influence on Barry. I have a couple things to add, mainly some resources. The Barry Center has a book list 
Um, and we'll put a link in the in the show notes. But uh, Denbury, Wendell, uh, Wendell's son, said, Dad would want everyone to know who his teachers were. And there is a list of maybe 10 or 11 books on there, including The Holy Earth by Liberty Hyde Bailey, um, Farmers of 40 Centuries by F.H. King, uh, books by Aldo Leopold, Sir Albert Howard. Um, uh, let's see who else. J. Russell Smith. So we'll post a link, but I mean, here's a list of, of 10 or 11 uh, books that, that he has loved. In a couple of his essay collections, including The Art of Loading Brush, New Agrarian Writings, there's a long essay that Barry wrote called The Presence of Nature in the Natural World, a Long Conversation. And he starts in the book of Genesis and kind of traces agrarian thought throughout uh, great through several works of great literature several writers um, across the centuries and uh, so he talks about Chaucer and Spencer he talks about um, uh, uh, somebody named Elaine de, de Lille am I saying that correctly English guys probably English majors. <laughs> sounds French okay. to me right. uh, yeah. uh, uh, he talks a lot about Elaine DeLille. Um, and so that is a, that'd be another great place to look. And then, I, you know, I didn't think about this until just now, and so I didn't grab the name of the essay. But there's an essay that he writes from the perspective of Andy Catlett. And he talks about Andy Catlett meeting all of these real life people like um, David Lodson, Wes Jackson, Maurice Tallene, who started the Draft Horse Journal. Uh, that would be another good place to start to um, like find those folks, what they've what they've written, and um, and go from there. Do you guys remember the name of that essay? We think we've talked about it in the abstract that he was writing. Barry was was writing in a nonfiction book as if he was, yeah, as if he was Andy Catlett. I don't, I don't remember, remember the name of it. I remember. Do you remember? No. Maybe. Yeah, I don't either. Shoot. Um, it's also good for great <laughs> yeah, podcasting. Yes. Anyway, we can't remember the name of of the of We're the essay. Amateurs, we'll so. find it and yeah, <laughs> we'll find it. We'll put it in the oh, show notes. Sorry, let let me. Uh, sorry, I'll just interject real quick. I'll take my stand was published in 1930, not 1920. Just wanted to get that get that out there. <laughs> Did some research yeah. on the fly. Super prepared. Well, we would have caught some flack for that yeah, one. No kidding. <laughs> yeah. no kidding. Jason, take a mortar we'll, we'll we'll fix it in post. Just say just say nineteen twenty nine. Nineteen thirty. Do it in like your best Siri voice. Nineteen twenty nine. Yeah. Nineteen thirty. Yeah. Anyways, yeah. That that right. the, those resources are great, John. Um, I think there's there's a lot there and a lot to dig into. I, I think as we get into more of Barry's uh, nonfiction more and more influences will, will become come apparent mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. including i think c.s lewis you know which connects to the book that you were talking about yeah. earlier jason there are a number of places in which barry references lewis and uh you know i maybe i've mentioned this before too i have a habit of repeating myself on this podcast back when i was in high school and college i read everything by lewis and then i wanted to read everything by the people he talked about and I didn't have that same experience with another author until I started yeah. reading Barry. I want to read everything that Barry wrote, and then I want to read everything by the people that he talks about. And then when I have since gone back 
to to read to read some C.S. Lewis, I see this a definite connection there, but, but between yeah. the two of them, that is has been surprising Absolutely. for me. So Jason asked another question. He said, "I would also love to hear more." about Barry's prophetic voice to the body of Christ. You've hit some of this already, but how does Barry's work align with the gospel of Jesus, and how is it at odds? Barry seems like he is applying a gospel perspective to all of life and society in ways a lot of Christians don't, because they too narrowly focus on personal, individualized religion. I believe that Barry is the most important voice to the body of Christ. He opens the door to embodied faith in an age of total disembodiment. Would love to see you guys explore all this deeper. Yeah. So, Jason. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Jason Hardy. I'll everybody. start. Uh, I, no, I'm kidding. Yeah, no, it doesn't have to be. I, I think there's a lot, lot in there that that is that is true. Um, I, I I think first of all we ought to acknowledge that I think it's safe to say that Barry would not accept that title of prophet. Uh, himself, um, we know that uh, you know the doc- the documentary was uh, uh, that that Laura Dunn made was originally going to be called The Seer, and he uh, did not want uh, did not want her to title it that, so so she changed it to Look and See. Um, so I I think that he himself has some you know um, does not want to be considered a, a prophet, and yet I, you know it. it depends on what your definition of a prophet is right if it's if it's someone who is uh speaking a a hard truth to people who uh might not want to hear it uh i i think that 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 is that is definitely true of barry when it comes to sort of modern institutionalized christianity um i think my my response to this question too though is to um make it clear to our readers that um Barry is not sort of a plug-and-play figure in in terms of institutionalized Christianity. I, mm-hmm. I, he does identify as Christian. Um, he does uh, refer especially to the Gospels um, a lot. Uh, he refers to the Bible a lot. Um, and and uh, that is definitely important to his work, but he also... Uh, does not fit into any sort of orthodox view of what Christianity is. And, and when I say orthodox, I mean sort of a predefined um, definition of what Christianity is and isn't. Um, you know, I, I shared with you guys earlier as we were talking, um, uh, when I first read the essay, Christianity and the Survival of Creation, which uh, came out in uh, is at least included in Sex Economy, Freedom and Community, which we'll read in a couple years. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, I found sort of his reasoning that he gives in that essay for um, for continuing to follow the Christian tradition. I found it unsettling uh, to myself where I was in in my faith at the time um, because he essentially says that he chooses Christianity as a path toward uh, living better or, or, or living well within creation simply because it's just the tradition he grew up with, uh, not because he feels like he, he, he doesn't, in other words, he doesn't make any sort of big claims as to Christianity being more true than other religions. It just happens to be the religion he, he grew up with. Um, so I, I don't think he is... Um, 
I, I do think he is a, a prophetic with a small P voice to the church. And, uh, you know, even as you mentioned, John, that lots of pastors are uh, finding his work helpful and in, in thinking in new ways about their vocation, but um, in their communities. But uh, I, I don't think he's an easy sort of poster child for um, any kind of institutionalized conception of Christianity. No. Yeah, but I like what you just were saying about that that essay though there's something very and just having yet another epiphany of, on this podcast but like hearing you say that for me made a whole lot of sense mm-hmm. because it makes it seems very noble to me to say well I'm not gonna like completely shed where I've come from and like the foundation right. that I built up so right. it makes sense to be like this to say well I'm gonna stick with it because it's what I know but we know very well enough to say that he's gonna plant where he is and then he's gonna like start throwing elbows <laughs> right right <laughs> and flip, flipping tables over so it's right. like he uh he's he's um that yeah i mean that that makes sense to me and when i think about uh, i've mentioned many many times that fiction's kind of where my brain starts with him but the characters in his fiction um aren't i think they align with the teachings of jesus and they very much are at odds with the world's typical interpretation of the teachings of jesus and yes. how it kind of plays out in daily life like yeah. in american life especially um that i think those characters a lot of those characters are more christ-like than you know anybody but it's but their christ-likeness is very unusual because um they're not preachy characters Right. They're just characters who do the things that you're supposed to do and don't take themselves too seriously, um, yet are very comfortable in where they come from. So, yeah. Yeah, there's a, um, a professor at Portland Seminary, and he was giving a talk not long ago, and he was saying that he believes that um, uh, Wendell Berry is the most— uh, if he says, if you want to understand what's happening— American Christianity right now, you have to understand Wendell Berry, uh, which gets to Jason's point that he believes that Berry is the most important voice to the body of Christ. Jason says he opens the door to embodied faith in an age of total disembodiment, and I think that that's what I'm part of, partly what I'm seeing and and writing about out out here visiting these neighborhoods. These are these are churches. Um, these are our pastors and community uh, advocates who are trying to live their faith in an embodied way. And that means being in the neighborhood, uh, means being uh, incarnational and in their place. And uh, rather than kind of being abstracted from place and bodies and, and, and the material world, but like just really, really living into it in, in powerful and beautiful ways. Um, yeah, yeah. I think Jason has a point. I... I think it'll continue to be a theme for us. We just like it can't help but be a theme for for some of what we talk about, both with because of the background the three of us have, but also what Barry's writing about and who he's writing to and who some of our guests are likely to be. So it'll continue to be a theme for us. I think. Yeah, yeah for sure. Absolutely, absolutely. And you know, I think it's an, it's important to to recognize that we may have some listeners that uh, don't identify as as Christian, um, and I think that uh, Barry's openness um, and sort of his unsettledness within the church uh, in an institutional context. You know, even in our first episode, you read Tim about the. Um, 
uh, the the scenes in Jaber Crow where he's dissatisfied with the, sitting in church. the pastors. Yeah, sitting never in church. has a better time to think than during a bad sermon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. I, I think that those. Uh, I don't know. I, I think that those those moments sort of allow um, uh, an entree into into Barry's work that, um, you know, to to folks who may not uh, come from a Christian background or or even a spiritual background. In general, yeah, if you want to, yeah, that's true. If you want to know what you think about the gospel, then listen to a bad sermon. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. You know, we, I, I obviously can't, we obviously can't promise this, but <clears throat> this question does remind me that uh, I, I was when I visited the Berry Center in October, one of the employees there put me in touch with with somebody, and I, I don't want to give too many details. Um, but put me in touch with somebody who has collaborated with with Tanya Berry, Wendell's wife, uh, um, in kind of reimagining seminary. Uh, reimagining seminary uh, into something that is, uh, in, into an education that is, that takes place into greater account. Um, and so I think it would be really cool to have somebody from that program on on the show because they're and they're and they're thinking a lot, especially about rural uh, future rural pastors for for one of their programs. And so it would be pretty cool to have those have those folks on. Um, yeah, absolutely. So we got some yeah we got some questions about the order in which we're reading. Um, we had one person ask us if we could do, you know, if we could rotate more evenly the poetry, novels, and essays. We had another who asked if we could just do one season of fiction and one season of nonfiction, and other folks just asking what we're going to be covering in season two. So we thought maybe we'd we'd just talk about all of those, at, at, you know, in one, um, just to 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 talk about why maybe why season one was skewed so much away from nonfiction um, and then what folks can expect going forward. Did I say I that correctly, did. guys? Definitely. Oh, we can no, edit this out. Okay, <laughs> sorry. I think it's good. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, sort of the reason that um, we only had one work of nonfiction to talk about is that w- with the nonfiction and the poetry, we're, we're trying to stay... Um, we're trying to hit works in order in chronological order. So there was one, you know, nonfiction collection and there was a lot of poetry around the same time. Um, so, uh, I, I think it will even out more as, as we go along and Barry starts to publish more nonfiction. Um, but we wanted to be reading nonfiction and poetry, uh, at the same time around when it came out, just just to sort of give us that historical context uh, for both. Um, when we see Barry talking about certain things in, in nonfiction, it, it might help illuminate some of the things he's talking about, poetry and, and vice versa. So, so that's sort of the reason um, we're doing it that way and, and why this season was so, uh, so poetry heavy as opposed to, to nonfiction. Yeah, we just feel like, yeah, that's that's very well put and just that those essays and poetry sometimes we feel like complement each other really well and that if we were to jump out of sequence and just pull in some some essays from did i say fiction and poetry 
I think he said nonfiction. Okay, but. good. Uh, if we were to jump out of sequence and go from poetry written in 1975 and then pull a essay that was written in 1990 ahead, it might be. Um, I don't know. We just thought that it would kind of break the break the rhythm of of his thinking and of his growth as a writer and as a as thinker. Yeah. And as far as the um, splitting them all into separate seasons. Uh, and just doing an all all fiction season and all uh, nonfiction season and all poetry season, Jason. Before we recorded, you said something that really I think was really true: is that um, as you're working through so much of this, it could be easy to get sort of bored or get kind of bogged down in things when you spend an entire season just talking about one thing. And also, we have some readers who like we like all of us right like john was into the poetry jason was an essay guy i was a fiction guy that me if i imagine myself as a as a listener and it was a whole season of essays and that i didn't get a chance to read these novels that i really love for a year mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, in in conjunction with this project that that would be you know maybe a little discouraged yeah a little, little bit of a bummer so we we like the idea of following these two chronologies of port william time and and publication time for for things to let us just keep everything fresh all the time yeah to mix things in and i feel like it also sort of just reminds us of how uh you know how widely barry writes mm-hmm. um and thinks in different uh in different genres so. he's written so much that we need some organization going through this yes. or we'll lose track of stuff because yeah. <laughs> if, if we start jumping around then it's gonna be like wait have we talked about this before no yeah, yeah. because now we can say no we haven't talked about that because that was in 1995 or whatever yeah <laughs> well, the reader that this was uh, Grant Thomas who asked about chunking everything uh, by genre, and uh, so while while we're not going to do it quite like that, we did want to give listeners a heads up on a, at least two of the books that we're going to be discussing in season two. That way, if if you wanted to get a head start reading, you can, and that's going to be it's we're going to read at least one novel. And at least one nonfiction book. And so if you want to read ahead, which actually is a really good idea, especially with summer reading time coming up, um, the novel that we're going to be reading is Nathan Coulter. It is, of course, Barry's first... Actually, not of course. I shouldn't say of course because we're doing it chronologically. Um, by time in which it's set. But so this is... But this is... It, it is also Barry's first published novel. Uh, so that's Nathan it's Coulter, like a, and then the nonfiction a novella length. It's just like clocks in right around two hundred mm-hmm. pages. It's it's one of his. Well, it's not one of his shorters, but it's 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 in that camp. He's got like the big ones and then the, the small ones, and so it's it's a fairly fairly quick read. Yep, and then the nonfiction book that we're going to be reading for sure is the Hidden Wound, which is Barry's book about race. Mm-hmm. And with both of those, we can mention, as far as chunking goes, like a book like Nathan Coulter, we're not just going to spend one episode on. We'll probably break it apart, break that conversation up. Yeah. And especially in the future when we get to a place on Earth and Hannah Coulter and Jaber Crow and these big ones, that we'll, we'll clearly be taking our time with those. We're not going to hustle through them in an hour and 20 minutes or something. And we'll, we know that... And, it's, and on our side, because we're like, we've been waiting to get to that book for so long. Yeah. Like, I'm going to yeah. take my time. Um, so that'll... That might sort of self-balance along the way as, as well. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, Jeremy Vanover, I just saw that Jeremy Vanover also, in addition to asking what the novels we'll be covering next season, um, he also asked, is there a Wendell Berry piece that you never get tired of going back to? And his is The Memory of Old Jack. Mm. I would say definitely mine would be the uh, the manifesto poem. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. is the one that I could read every day and just get something different from. Um, yeah, fiction wise, it's it probably be Jaber Crow, which I've talked about a hundred times. But but uh, yeah, the manifesto poem would be my answer for that. I could I could read it over and over and over, and I will. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, you, I, I I think I've I've talked about. Um, those those works for me. I think the the manifesto poem would definitely be one. Um, Pray without ceasing, um, and also uh, you know essays from um, standing by words like poetry and marriage and mm-hmm. uh, and and uh, poetry in place. Uh, I think are, are are huge for me. Manifesto was also the the one that came to mind for me. It's my favorite poem ever uh, by any writer, and um, but since since we've all said it, I'll also throw in another poem called "How to Be a Poet" to remind myself. I quote that all the time, including <laughs> today with this pastor, with this pastor in Ecorse, Michigan. I would also slide a timbered choir in there. Um, that's that that collection in general is one that I could just kind of live in on a regular basis as a as a lar- as a larger work. Well, that is pretty much covers the questions that we received. Um, anything else we should we should touch on before we kind of sign off for yeah, season? Yeah, I guess one? we could we could sort of let let folks know that um, you'll start seeing uh, episodes for for season two sometime in the fall. Yeah, early um, fall. Yeah. So uh, so be on the lookout for that. We we may have a few episodes in the interim um that that we release and and also just just as a reminder be be on the lookout for uh information about our 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 patreon campaign if if you are interested in in supporting the podcast as well as uh watching out for our reading list so i don't think yeah. we i don't think yeah. we had mentioned that right. outright so yeah, yeah watch true. out for uh start of our patreon campaign we'd really appreciate your your support there and then we've we've mentioned the hidden wound and nathan coulter but at some point in the next month or so you'll see something you'll see it showing up our our reading list showing up on social media and places so that you can go ahead and read as much as you'd like from the next season and and thank you very much to to all of our listeners first of all just uh for for our regular listeners who are uh, subscribe to the podcast and um, continue to listen. To, listen, um, you know, knowing that that you're out there uh, definitely is is a good good affirmation for us. We really appreciate that, and thank you to everyone who uh, to submitted questions uh, for today. We love love interacting with you in that way, and and hope to do that more in the future. And continue to do that over the summer. Please, like send yeah. us send us feedback, send us questions, and we really appreciate that connection with you all, so that we can make this podcast the best we can because uh, we really we want this to be something that is of value to a community of, mm-hmm. of, of readers not just to the three of us so yeah so we're going to be doing some pre-work for season two probably catching up on some of our upcoming reading and so we'll be we'll still be immersed in this project even though we're not going to be releasing any episodes for a couple of months but we're still going to be reading we're still going to be talking we're still going to be thinking about Barry's work and so we as they said, as Tim and Jason said, 
we'd still really love to, to keep interacting with you. There are a few places you can do that. You can find us online at membershippod.com. And you can find us on social, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, all at Membership Pod. Membership is also a proud member of the Rabbit Room Podcast Network. You can find out more about uh, the membership and find other great podcasts at rabbitroom.com slash podcasts. Finally, we'd like to thank everyone who has left a review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for leaving uh, these reviews. We, we read them all, and they're very encouraging. And if you haven't left a review yet, please do that. It's a great way for us to uh, improve our visibility and help other people discover the podcast. Thanks again, everyone, and we'll see you in Season 2.